Welcome to episode number 23 of the Ministry Story Podcast. Today is April 27th. 2012. I have a repeat guest, but not a repeat message for you today. And it's all about communication and branding positioning, which sounds complicated and maybe doesn't sound very interesting. But I know for a fact that if you're a church leader, you need to hear what my guest has to say today. So please pay attention, take some notes and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Ministry Story Podcast. Please reintroduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your ministry story. Well, I'm Mark McDonald, and I am Creative Director for PinpointCreative.com, and uh, we are in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and we help the church as well as some businesses really focus on who they are and what they want to be known for in order to make sure that they increase their business or increase their audience. Excellent. Well, welcome back to the podcast, Mark. You were on episode number eight last year on February the 7th. Can you believe it's been over a year? Time just flies by. I know yesterday on Facebook I put the very fact that every second goes by so fast and then it turns into minutes going by fast and I think it really is as older as old as you get it uh, it just seems like uh, months fly by and, and really years fly by so fast and I really I, I guess my whole intention this year is to make sure that I'm present with every second that goes by and, and make sure that things just don't pass me by and I miss a lot of things. Yeah, I'm with you on that, and it's it's freaking me out a little bit because I feel in some respects when I have conversations like this that I'm uh, starting to sound like my parents. (laughs) Oh, I've often thought, oh, I remember when my father said this, and he was old when he said it, and then I I think back, okay, when was that? And then it's pretty much when I'm, uh, it's my age right now, so I'm sure that my kids uh, really think that I'm old. I know, it's sad, but... Anyway, we're still feeling young at heart, and we're going to try to inspire some church leaders today by talking about uh, positioning and branding. And last year when we started the conversation, so if anybody wants to hear Mark's uh, you know, commentary from last year on branding, uh, it's episode number eight, and you can go back on ministrystory.com slash podcast and get that episode. And I'd encourage you to, actually, because we had some good uh, pieces that kind of will set the stage for what we're talking about today, which is positioning. And for somebody who is in church leadership, whether it be pastor or on a board, a lot of these types of leaders aren't familiar. They're not really marketing people, so they don't know what the term positioning is. So uh, could you do me a favor and define for me what positioning is? Oh, I'd love to, because it really is the pivotal point where pastors start to really understand um, what their mission and vision is, because oftentimes uh, companies and churches believe that, you know, what they are actually, and, and this is where it gets hard, because when we talk about the church, we don't really talk about, you know, the product that you're selling or the service that you're selling. But you're offering a service and you're offering a product, and oftentimes people believe that the church is their product and their their service, but ultimately they need to be a positioning because especially when there's a, a commodity issue where uh, different uh, churches are offering the same products or services, 
Uh, well, let me let me just back up a little bit and say, so if you wanted to buy a, a hamburger and you wanted to go out and buy a hamburger, and the only place in town was a specific restaurant that sold a hamburger, well, it would be pretty easy for you to actually, um, if you were the provider of that hamburger, it would be easy for you to say, we sell hamburgers. But then as soon as say next door, somebody moves in and they start selling hamburgers, all of a sudden you realize, wow, it's, it's now tougher for me to sell hamburgers. And then another restaurant comes into town and they start selling hamburgers. And then all of a sudden you realize, I mean, we're all selling hamburgers. What makes us different? And when we when we think about the church, the church has a product and a service and it's vital. It really is vital for the community. But there's, especially, I mean, we're in the South, and I mean, it just seems like every street has a different church on it. But even if you're in a community that just has five or six churches, all of those churches are saying the exact same thing. And they're saying, here's our product, here's our service that we're offering the community. But the per- the problem is, is that the more people who offer it, all of a sudden, it ta- it, you have to move away from the product and service that you're offering, and you have to start understanding what is it that I'm actually offering. Right. So what it has to do is it has to convert your product and service over into a pure benefit that attracts attracts a certain audience. So if you had all the churches in your area all lined up in one street, um, you know, the, the, a person comes into your town for the very first time and they think, you know what, it's time for me to go to church. Maybe it's somebody that, that's been in your community. And we know that in a time of transition, they're going to start looking for a church. So they, thanks to the Google street that you can go to, yep. you know, people put in your hometown and church and Google lines you all up on the same street. You have a page full of churches. So, and the bigger the town, make, the bigger the town, the more churches or pages that you have of churches. Oh, I mean, I mean, I was just in, uh, let's see, where was I? I was in New Orleans speaking. And I think in New Orleans, there was 400 churches that mm-hmm. came up in the Google search. Um, I was in, in Dallas, Texas, and I, it was even, I mean, it was wild. It was like 3,000 churches that came up under Dallas churches. And and I guess that what ends up happening is that people say, okay, I want church, and I know what I want church for, but which church should I go to? Exactly. So what, what positioning does is it just says, okay, you know what you want. You want church. Well, we do church just a little bit different than all of these other churches. And here's how we take those products and services and we, uh, and we present them or give them to you in a different fashion. And that's what you have to start selling in order for people to say, okay, I want, I want a friendly church. Well, as soon as they put a defining factor on whatever the commodity is that they're looking for, then what you can do is you can come along and say, um, we supply that benefit better than everybody else. And it's not necessarily that you do 
provide it better than everybody else, but you just claim that you do it better than everybody else. So what it does is it differentiates yourself or it positions you just a little bit higher in a category in that commodity. So if the commodity is church or church-related services, then what you have to do is start thinking about the audience's pain. What is it if they think that I'd go to church except that, oh, I'm, I'm not going to feel comfortable in church? Then if that's the pain, then you have to start thinking, how could I provide a benefit to solve that pain? And if it's, you know, comfort, it's like uh, you could come along and say that your positioning is we do church for the people who don't feel comfortable in church. Right. So what it does is it just for those people with the pain, you're going to stand out. You're going to be positioned better than everybody else to be able to provide that that product. And that's the joy of positioning is that you just need to be the first one to claim it. You need to claim, you need to first of all realize, I think in the last podcast we talked about audience and product and the benefits. Yes. And you have to look at your audience, realize what what pain is most prevalent in that audience that you can provide a benefit for, and then you claim that positioning. And the joke is that if if you really do provide a benefit to solve a pain, that audience that has that pain is going to want to come and, and actually prov- uh, get what you're providing. Mark, one of the things that I uh, have a tendency to have conversations with church leaders about is the whole aspect of having their leadership be very self-aware. Because if you're going to position yourself as an example, to the point of what you were making. If, if you were going to position yourself as the friendliest church in town, then you really have to be that. You can't manufacture it. You can't have somebody show up and discover that they're not that you're not the friendly church that you're claiming to be. So it really requires, before you actually grab a, a label or grab a position in your communication strategy and say that you are something, you actually have to be very self-aware of what your culture is and what your church community really is in order to claim that. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, what a great point. Because oftentimes we know what our products are, and it is really uh, that self-awareness is to realize that perception is reality. And oftentimes when I talk to pastors, they might, because they're inside and they know what they're supposed to be offering, they, they really think, most times, they really think that they're doing it really well. And perception outside of the church uh, is not the same thing as what, what people feel like on the inside of the church. So it's really taking a step back and, and uh, honestly assessing your programs, your activities, and making sure that everything falls in line with what you want to, how you want to position yourself, and and the way that we try to, uh, I mean, when we work this process with a church, this is the absolute perfect time for the church to really honestly assess what programs that they're offering, because if you if you really have a great positioning, and if you want to say be the friendly church in your area. You have to start looking at every product that you offer, every program that you offer, 
and make sure that it is a, it's aligned with that positioning. And it's not that it has to be exactly the positioning, but it needs to at least have, you know, one connection to the positioning so that people can, can really uh, uh, get a sense of the positioning when they walk through the doors. Yeah, and I would agree with that. I guess one of my questions, because you're working with churches and ministries to help them position themselves. I do a lot of that as well. And I guess my question to you is, and, and this isn't being self-promoting, but can a, can a leadership team really stand back far enough in a macro view to get a clear picture of what their church really is? Or does it work better or, or is it smoother uh, if they have someone from the outside who doesn't know who they are, help them through that process. Yeah, that's a great, great question too. Because oftentimes, I know that we're actually uh, we, we talked off this uh, podcast a little bit about how we're rebranding ourselves, right. and it's really difficult to do it for yourself. We do this all the time for our clients. And yet, when we started doing it for ourselves, we found it incredibly difficult. And and what ended up happening is I have a, a very good friend who uh, also does very similar uh, type um, work that we do. And he also supplies us occasionally with some overflow work and vice versa. So we actually asked him to take an outside look at what we're saying, what we would like to do, and it was so much easier. And I would just highly recommend that churches, if you're, I mean, and, and I know that you, most churches would, would instantly say, well, we just don't have the money. It is worth the money to use an outside source. It'll do it faster, it'll be more efficient, and it'll be far more effective because trying to attract somebody who doesn't know your church very well, who better to use than someone who doesn't know your church very well? Exactly. Because they can assess the, re the reputation and just really you're known for in the community. Yeah, and you know what? Like I, I will sort of second the motion on that conversation because I found when I was trying to do my own branding and my own positioning for Ministry Story, even as a startup um, organization completely from scratch, I knew in my head what I wanted it to be, but just like you're having a hard time repositioning or rebranding yourself, I was having a hard time doing the initial branding. And my wife... She was having a fun time with it and picking at me a little bit because she said, well, you do this for everybody else. Why can't you do it for yourself? And you, and you know what the answer is? It's that you get so close to what you're doing and you live it every day that it's really hard to stand back and look at things objectively. And that's the same thing in a ministry context. As a pastor or as a group of leaders in a church – you live this ministry every single day, and you have lived it for months, years, decades, and whatever that period of time is, and it's become so close uh, to everything that you do on a daily basis that it's really hard to stand back and be objective, don't you think? Absolutely. And in fact, that's why a lot of the branding process that we do, we actually started with a uh, mystery guest visit right. where... I fly into town and I make my way trying to find using directions how to get to a church. I sit in a church service and I and I actually write a guest uh, mystery visit um, uh, full report where we go from top to bottom of how easy it was to find the church, how the, the signage worked when I got onto campus. 
when I'm driving into a parking lot, did I know where to park? How did they people treat me because they I was a visitor? Did I feel welcome? What were some of the things in the service that I was unclear of? And and I mean a lot of that is just base perception stuff that that the average person in a church cannot do. Right. And if, if people who are listening to this want to know a little bit more about what that mystery worshiper experience is, I did a whole episode where I talked with Greg Atkinson, and he's done a lot of that. And so episode number four basically covers exactly what you're talking about, the types of things that people do and what they look for when they do that sort of mystery guest or mystery worshiper uh, process. And Greg's a great guy. He's, he, you must have had a great time talking with him. Yeah, I met him at a conference that I was at in the States about a year and a bit ago. And uh, yeah, he's just so passionate also about helping churches just be very self-aware. And that's really what this whole process is. In order to be able to do good branding and be able to do good positioning, you have to be very self-aware. And it's like we've just been talking. It's very, very, very hard to do on your own. Well, yeah, and it's interesting. You know, I always go back to kind of my my childhood days and I remember coming home from school and my my uh, one of my you know my mom or my dad asked me so uh, I see that you were playing with so-and-so on the the playground and it's like yes I got a new friend and they're like what's his name and I would say his name and and almost instantly the reaction is oh well, he's known for such and such or his family's known for such and such and and it was whether or not I should identify myself with him and oftentimes we need to take a step back to say you know what are we known for in Mm -hmm. the community what is the church known for and the sobering thought is as soon as you put the the letters c-h-u-r-c-h after whatever name you have the perception of what church is is wrapped around you, and you have to overcome that perception in order to even have a reputation that's outside of that perception. And that's a great point, and it's actually a really nice segue to the whole conversation. Now that we've identified what positioning is, if a church has a reputation from the past, good or bad or otherwise, that um, often what a church will want to do in its refreshing of itself or its refreshing of its brand or its recommunication strategy is that they're going to want to reposition themselves. So now that we know what positioning is generally, what is the process you go through or what do you look for when you're working with a church trying to help them reposition themselves from whatever they were in the past? Well, and oftentimes uh, it's easier to do a positioning on something that is brand new than to reposition something. Mm. It's kind of like going back to that schoolyard. As soon as a family is known for something in their community, if it's negative, it's awfully hard to switch from being negative to positive. If it's positive, then it's easier for you to move from a positive strength to another positive strength. But I guess for for this, I think that it would be easier. All I would say is that you definitely need a uh, professional to take you from a negative perception to a positive. Right. Possible to do that internally. But if you want to do it from a positive strength to another positive strength and just position yourself, because a lot of people say, well, we really don't have a brand. Well, unbeknownst to you, you have a brand, you're known for something, you have a reputation in your community. 
And if and if you really feel that the average person in your community would have a positive perception of you and that you're known for something that's really good, I would start with that. And and really what you want to do is what we call uh, you want to maintain that brand where there's there's brand equity that has been built up and you don't want to just totally change your brand. You want to take a step away from it and again, have some type of a connection from what you're doing now to, to what you're, uh, what you have been doing. Because if you throw away all your brand equity, then people, there's such a huge disconnect that you could lose a lot of potential audience. Yeah. And I think you also, and I was thinking as you were talking there, that you don't want to leave your history behind, especially if it's positive, because history is a very important part of the culture that has resonated out of what you've become in that community. So how do you reconcile history and and the repositioning of, of, of a church to another, you know, another identifier? Well, you know, your history is so important to your church. It's so important that you shouldn't put it on your website, but I'm not going to go down that path right now. <laughs> but your history of who you are, and especially if you're in a, uh, an, an older church or some uh, a church that has, has really grown up with the community where most people would know who you are, um, you don't want to leave all of that behind. But you know, certainly once people just get used to you in a community – you really sometimes have to uh, raise your hand a little bit higher to say, uh, remember us and remember all the good things that we've done in the past. Well, here's how we can help you now. And and the best part about any positioning is to make sure that it does come at it from your audience perspective, not from the church perspective. Mark, I'm wondering how, though, how does a church satisfy or how does a church and maybe they don't, but how does a church satisfy people who have been in the congregation for, let's say, 30, 40, 50 years? It's their church. It's all that history that they've experienced and they've grown up with. And they don't like change because human beings generally don't like change. I'm not picking on older folks not liking change because younger folks don't like change either. But how do you reconcile tying in all that history and keeping the folks who've lived that history and been that history? How do you hold that in place while you're trying to reposition yourself with a little bit more contemporary feel, perhaps, in some respect, to be more culturally relevant in, in the community that you're in? And you have just asked the age-old question and probably the most prevalent questions when I'm speaking at church conferences. Um when when you're trying to uh, change the direction of your church, and most times that's into a more contemporary feel, how do you pull the other people along? And I would say you have to do it as um, any good branding or visionary would know person would know. Um, you need to cast such a vision and show results that you know if you if you know that you're going to be moving to a more contemporary service or something like that. You need to go back into the, in the, into the uh, history, maybe just in the last year and show how when we did more contemporary services, we had more attendance or we had more response to the altar call or 
we were able to have more guests or visitors to show actual results and then say, and because of those results, we would love to see more of those. Wouldn't you like to see more of those? And then get them to buy into the, the results and then cast a vision to say, here's how we're going to maintain those results or be able to, to continue getting better results like that. And most people, you know, as the Bible says, without a vision, the people perish. It's because if you don't have a vision, you oftentimes backslide. You, you end up you know, moving backwards. So uh, a good visionary leader should be able to cast the vision and a professional and positioning that people say, you know what, that is us. That is who we want to be. And pastor, whatever you want, we're going to do it. Yeah, and that's critical. I I love that you brought that up because, you know, so often uh, a few of the churches that I've had the privilege of working with, they want me to help them recast the vision, and I can't cast the vision because I'm not the leader that's going to be there long term. It really has to come out of the pastor and and the support people that are around him, elders board, deacons board, whatever that might look like. those people have to have that compelling vision and they have to communicate it in a very powerful way to bring their people, their flock along with them because you can't expect um, an outside agency or helper that's going to help with this branding and positioning. You can't expect me to do that because I'm going to be gone at a certain point and then you're going to be left as the leader trying to you know, hold it all together and you don't want things to collapse around you, right? And the sad news is in the same reason why that makes so much sense, um, a lot of people in the pew are skeptical of how long the pastor is going to stay after he casts the vision. Mm. And when the average pastor is only staying three or four years and they're casting a long-term vision, they're in the back of their minds thinking, yeah, you're going to create this problem and we're going to be the ones that are going to have to solve it. And and what has to happen is that the leadership has to commit to actually following through with this. And, and I mean, this is a whole other podcast that we could talk about, but, but pastors today have got to stop casting complicated visions or starting building projects and then leaving right after them, because that's the reputation the pastors are getting today. Yeah, and I would agree with that, and and that's the hard part. Like if, and if I think if people were to stand back, uh, and I'm just going to speak for the city that I live in. If I look at the churches that are have been thriving over a period of time, over decades, and that have been moving forward, they're with churches that ha- they are churches that have pastoral leadership that has been intact for a long time. They're not pa- churches that have pastors for three years, four years, five years, and then they flip. Three years, four years, five years, and they flip. These are churches that have pastors that have been in place for 15, 20, 25 years who have been able to capture the hearts, uh, well, been able to hear God first and foremost, capture the hearts of the people that are, are their followers that they're looking after and that they're helping to grow in spiritual maturity, and then they bring them along with them over time because – like you're saying, you can't do this in three years. Well, the same pastors who who passionately tell people that they need to stay with their spouse, even through the hard times, will quickly leave the church as soon as a problem arises. And what they need to do is figure out how do we stay long-term with the church, because statistically, a church will thrive so much more when a pastor stays for a long period of time. Yeah, I agree. 
Well, you know what? It's funny because the reason we did this part, podcast partially, not only be, well, partially we wanted to do it because just I haven't talked to you so long. I wanted to have a chat and I figured other people could benefit from it. Secondly, last year we got through like three questions. This year we got through two questions. So guess what? We have more <laughs> questions for another podcast. Well, and I guess that does that mean that I have to wait a whole year to do another one? No, what it means is I got to get myself in order so that I'm not going through a little blip where I only record one once every four to six weeks. I got to get back on the schedule of doing it every week or two, which is really what my heartbeat is. But as you know from running your own business, when it gets really busy, you run out of gas a little bit in trying to do the extracurricular things. But this is really important, I think, because I, I think pastors need to hear this. I think leaders need to hear this. And uh, the cool part is both you and I are very passionate about talking about it, and we've had some experience in it. Well, David, I applaud you for what you do. And really, uh, pastors just need to uh, do everything within their power to make sure that they're increasing their leadership role in the church and then making sure that the positioning of the church is creating a leadership role in the community. Amen to that. Now, as we sign off, just before we sign off, can you give the coordinates for where people could track you down online and through social media if they wanted to have more interaction with Mark McDonald? Absolutely. You can go to pinpointcreative.com, which is P-I-N-P-O-I-N-T creative.com, or you can go to facebook.com slash pinpointcreative, or you can check me out on Twitter, which is markmac1023. Excellent. I'll put links to those in the show notes, and we'll make sure that you and I don't take another year before we chat. Is that a deal? Sounds good. Okay. That's a deal. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate you being here today. Have a great day.